Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weimberger and Harav Nissen. We look forward to creating and helping the mental health awareness in the From Kehillah. We always have two little requests. Number one is that we don't ask parenting questions under the age of eight because those questions are usually how-to skills. And the second request that we have is that it should be family-appropriate. If your children over the age of eight will be listening to it, you'll feel comfortable. So let's go ahead and start with our callers that we've got. The number to call up to ask your question is 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And what we are doing now is we are going to go to our first caller, actually the person that we've asked to please call in last week because we want to give him more time. Mr. S., you're on with Mordechai and Harav Nissen. Yeah, hello. Okay, thank you. Do I have to re-edit the question? Do I have to say it over yeah, again? Yeah, that would or? be better because many people don't remember what your question was. Let's discuss it again to say we can also divide it into different parts and give a bit of a you know, an awareness, explain things. Okay, fine. So the kid to my question is, is um, how do I have a relationship with my daughter who doesn't want to have a relationship with me? She's not in my house. She's not, like, has any shaykhs with me right now. She, like, closed all doors. She basically, now she started, like, texting me goodnight sometimes, you know, when I text her. But that's, that's it. You know, there's no there's no two-way back and forth because she's not, you know, dealing with my relationship. And, you know, secondly is, is, you know, like, when she comes back, you know, how to maintain a relationship where, like, she realizes that I love her and respect her, but not necessarily do I always agree with certain things, but I'll still take care of her and, and respect her needs and whatever she wants, you know, whatever the, it is that she wants, you know, and not that she wants it, like that she should be a dictator in the house, but it's different because I'm a divorced dad, so since I'm a divorced dad, like, you know, like, if they don't like what I do, then they just disappear and they don't come back, you know, that's what it happens, you know, you remember Al should say from Pathways um, to Peace, you know, he brings down that, you know, Divorce that he doesn't really have such so as Davin Tashem that his children turn out okay because he says that you could say Tashem that that it was taken away your you know control over your children that's what he says over there in the Sefer. Okay, um, let's start like this. I'm going to give you a drop information. I want to, I want Rav Nissen's opinion on everything that I'm going to say. No, so I'm going to say a little bit. I want his feedback first if he agrees or disagrees, and I want him to give me the feedback. So I'd like to first say something that you might disagree with me, and that is you as a father, you are not a divorced dad. Well, I'm totally disagree because I have, I'm stripped of all wife. my rights as a father, you know? Let's get, let me finish. We'll explain in a minute. You're still in the victim status. Let's do this again. You are not divorced from your daughter. Of course you're not. You're divorced from your right. ex-wife. That's who you're divorced from. You are complete father to this child. Now... Let me just give you one more bit of information. When we do the parenting, when I do the parenting workshop, the first thing that we teach over there is the parents have to realize in our minds that we are in charge and not the children are, recharged, are in charge. And part of that means that kids, every child, no matter the age, will rebel against structure. But the number one thing that they're asking for is structure. So if you're able to have the appropriate healthy structure your children will respect you. Have listen to what I just said. Do you agree with point one? And he is not a divorced dad. He is a dad. He might be divorced from his ex. What do you say to that? 100%. I would say that uh, you're 100%. And I said that I forget about the divorce point of view. I know that it's like a coming together, but you are the father of this 
boy, girl, and you have to be solid. You know, there's no question about it. Now that the play game, you know, it's with, with thinking about, I'm sorry that I'm jumping a little bit, but uh, any relationship between parents and kids, especially teenagers, is a power game. Doesn't matter if they divorce or no divorce, uh, but especially when the divorce is the kind of lever or kind of uh, thing that they can play and play, play on your conscience, play on the guilt uh, uh, feeling that you feel. Listen, the child supposed to know that you are the father, you are solid, you're for them, yes, but they cannot play with you. Is I, am I right? Let me just say what Rav said, because I want to say that I agree a thousand percent to what he said. So let me just repeat the exact words that he said. I want you to hear it from two places. Number one, every single child and teenager will play the game, the good cop, bad cop. Mommy likes me more. I'm not going to talk to Tati. I'm upset they sent me to do homework. I wanted to go with my friends at night, and the parents said, no, I want a cell phone. The parents don't want. The parents are only giving the kosher phone. The teenagers want this. They want to go to a different school because they've got one friend that's going more modern, and we're going, no, we're going to this school. Uh, you, you have to stay and watch the kids. Mommy and Tati are going at a wedding. No, what do I always have to watch? This is classic teenage adult or parents' teenage issues. Classic. There's absolutely nothing different in your subject. Number one. Yeah, but she didn't show up. She hasn't shown up or spoken to me except we'll once. We'll get like, in a minute to the eight, so we'll get to a it's solution, like two weeks and ago we'll just already. give the ideas how we deal with all parents. I first need you to understand that. Step one. Step two is exactly what Rav Nissen said. So that was the first point that he said, that every single parent has that. Now, what was the second point that you said again, Rav Nissen? I said you have to be solid like a rock, and oh. basically mm -hmm. don't give yourself down to be with Nebuch case, oh, I don't see her for two weeks and all this stuff. Is she or is she feeling it and basically playing on you, uh, feeling and the guilt and conscious, oh, and uh, this is your feeling, right? Sometimes, sometimes you have to, un to understand for yourself. Stick with your with idea and believe me, I saw a lot of my friends that were divorced and they didn't see the children for six for, for six months for a year. In the end, it's become backfire, and they come back. That the kids come to them with, you know, love and appreciation. You don't, you know, when you start in Hebrew, you have You know, it's like a jellyfish, no bones. They don't appreciate it. I'm sorry to tell you. Kids don't exactly. appreciate. So now let me say, let me repeat because I've listened to both things out of. I wrote it down on my notes like a paper that I wanted to say. Let's start with number one. I'm sorry. No, number one is as follows. Just what I've listened said. Kids want to feel the parent is the parent. So if they, let's say she won't talk to you for two weeks, six weeks, whatever time it is, understand that children, in essence, need their parents' understanding, their acceptance, and their love. It is in the Bria, it's in Teva. It could be a year, it could be 10 years. However time it is, I just want you to understand the concept. If you're going to come groveling back to her and say, I'm sorry for everything that I did, and now continue to allow an unhealthy relationship to continue, then what you're doing is you're actually damaging her for life. By you stating, I am so happy that you're here, but these are the way I do things. And if she gets upset, but then I'll never talk to you. Well, I'm ready to talk to you at any time you're ready to speak at a healthy level. When you're ready to raise the bar, 
you need to understand that you are Yodai El Elyoyna. You are the one that's more in charge because children naturally want to be, A, close to both parents. B, children will look for the inner health, for what's really healthy for them. And structure and boundary, kids know are healthy. There's the famous Montessori method that they have in the systems in, in raising the education. And one of the tests they do in the Montessori system when they started it that I've, I've read, I, I really haven't verified it, so let's just assume that it's something that I've heard. And that is that they gave kids a choice of all the junk food and all the nasha and healthy food, and kids could choose whatever they want. The first couple of days or maybe even the first two weeks, every kid was going, or most kids were going for the junk food. But after two weeks, they're going for the healthy lunches. means the body naturally is looking for health, for balance. Now is where I want to take it to your question, to you. What happens when parents get divorced is they lose their confidence. We lose the ability of that health and in the long run, steady Steady, consistent success is what wins the game. And we start getting into the buying. Who will buy the kid off? Who will give them less time in school? Who will take them to the bigger trip? This one's going to Florida, so this one's got to go to Eritrea, so this one's got to do Europe. Once you're not buying the kid, you're actually trying to outshow, outshine the ex. When you can tell the kid, in my house there is love, and there is stability, and it's not through trips, it's not through money, it's through my heart. There is nothing more valuable than that, or as a quote that I love saying many, many times, people are so poor that all they have is money. I want you to realize you have that commodity that is universal, that will win the battle in the long run, that will teach your daughter in the long run, and that is health. And that is creative, healthy structure. And that's what you and every parent listening now, when you've got a teenager, it's not that you're giving in. It's not that, it's not that you're going to give in to gain their love because then you've just given in and you've lost the education that they need. But they also want to be validated. You know, everybody wants to be validated, you know. Now, if they feel that you don't validate them, then they also get I think the most my daughter Go wants to feel. Go ahead, explain to me how to steer to validation. How is what? that a steer to validation? Being, claiming, and stating how a healthy relationship is going to be. How are you invalidating them? No, like let's say you say you don't agree with what they're doing or something like that. Whatever they're doing in their now, lifestyle. Notice, notice what, could you type the word validation and you'll see the difference. Does validating mean that I'm going to give in to you? That is a mistake. That's the olive base that we do in the parenting workshops and when you're interacting with people. Does, let me ask you something. If I'm validating now your feeling, watch. Let's do a live demonstration. It must be so difficult for you to be torn what to do with your daughter because if you give in to her feelings and you just tell her yes, 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 whatever she wants, she might, she, you might have the connection with her, but you're going to be giving in to an unhealthy relationship. That must be so painful for you, and it makes sense why you're in that difficult predicament. What did you hear from my words? How did that feel hearing it? How did that feel? It felt like, uh, I don't know, like I was being silly or something. I don't know, like, you know. You felt I was making fun of you and being silly? Yeah, that's what I, yeah. Well, my gosh, then not only did I not validate, but I even hurt you in that. Validation is meant to try to say, I really understand you, and it makes a lot of sense. Not that I agree, but I understand your view. 
I hear, I hear. But, like, if she doesn't feel like she's going to be taking care of a child, needs to be feel like they're taking care of, right? And, like, no, you know, well, that's again, how she said, what we're that's doing what now. Notice what you're right doing. Now. Do you see how everything you're speaking about is your child? Right. That's not where it starts from. Leadership does not start from those under you. It will get there. It first starts from you. How do you feel when you're interacting with your daughter? Let's start that level. Are you confident? Are you safe or are you afraid? Are you thinking about how you can help your daughter or are you thinking about how she's going to react? How much of her reaction are you afraid or dealing with her because you have to clean up the mistakes that you feel your ex is doing and now you're taking all that into a husband? At this point, originally I didn't now, like that she left, I got all nervous, you know. I never really cared so much, you know. And she just ran out of the house, then I, I felt like everything I'm going to do is going to be on eggshells. Even if she comes back, I'm going to live on eggshells. I'm going to be afraid that, like, if I do something wrong, she's going to just run back, you know, or disappear, you know. Yeah. Uh, Mordechai. Yeah. I know that uh, if we just, I want to expand the three question after to the gentleman. First of all, I want to know: Are you in any connection with the ex? Any connection? Not really. She doesn't. Once in a while, she texts. We text each other, but she doesn't. She also is like a very quiet. I, mean, I don't want to. Maybe she's here. I don't know. Maybe she'll hear. Let's I don't not know. talk about she, her, right? Let's not. Right. Let's her. not talk about it. Okay. Doesn't matter. No, no. It's it's okay. We don't. Okay. But no, we're not, there's no connection really. Basically, once okay. in a so, while, we just talk. You know, the like kids. Can, that's why my my point is like this: that the kids feel it and knows that how to play very well. Anyway, anyway, the other the other other question is. Uh, first of all, I wanted to say some remarks. I know that I spoke with a lot of teenagers about many issues. Uh, for example, the smartphone and all this kind of uh, a, a places that are really surfing on and go like this. And they know very, very, very well what is wrong and what is right without any interference of the, our, our... Believe me, they know exactly what they're doing and they know that it's wrong and I was I was speaking with the kids that was out total out of the derech, and they know exactly that I that it's not good, and they will come back. So this is this this is just a remark about what Mordechai said about the Montessori uh, system. Beside this, I want to ask you about about the, uh, you you have now a kids also from your marriage right now. Yeah. What is the what is what's what they feel about it? They're little. They're one's three years old and one's uh, two years old. They just walk around saying her name and knocking on her door to see if she's going to come to the table. That's the only thing they do now. And the little three-year-old says uh, sh- says her name and says bye-bye and hat because she put on a hat before she left and okay. said bye-bye. The, the, uh, this, is, this is something that, you know, even is that I think this is, will be something that will connect her to you very soon because I think that... Uh, the older one feel that the kids are lover and this is something that can be very very you know just by mention no uh, Moshe and, uh, and Leah is waiting for you you know that they're missing you why you don't come to visit them without put yourself a little bit aside you know but if this is something that can be a very a trigger to bring her close to you but beside this you have to be very decisive I am the father this is my house this is my laws I, I, uh, that, that's it, you know. Again, I don't, I don't have nothing to add about it. Excellent. So let me add on to what Nissan said, and I want to, I, I'm going to say something, and forgive me if it's a little direct, 
Do you find leadership is a difficulty in your life? means when you're dealing with your three-year-old and your two-year-old, when you need to tell them, go here or do this, that all of a sudden you're afraid if they're crying or if they cry, you give in too quick. Um, find that yeah, I'm probably not such a be... good in that way. Um, when we were younger in my in my house, also my parents always like my not my parents, but more my aunts. We got from that that whenever they wanted you to do something, they gave you money to do it. They didn't tell you to do it. That's how they did it. That's you know? right. That's right. It's you know? it's really amazing to hear how much love and caring you have in your heart, but unfortunately, if that isn't balanced with assertiveness then we lose everything. And that is why the Rabbeinu Shlilam always has the balance. Everything that there is in this world, Hashem gives us with balance. There's day to work, then there's night to sleep, and we've got to recharge. There's life, unfortunately there's death. There's summer, there is winter. There is always going to be the opposite. And in order for something to be successful, there always has to be the balance. So not that we got to live in the negativity or in the assertiveness, but we have to be able to use it. And that is why you can't have a melech without a melech b'loyam. You can't have a king without a nation. But at the same time, you can't have a nation without a melech, without a leader. There has to be the balance. It may not nearly mealy. If I don't have myself, who am I, right? So you've got to have self-esteem. But then Kishani lots me. If I just have myself, money, I'm nothing. What am I? So I want mm-hmm. you to understand heart, love, and caring. Without the balance of structure, assertiveness, I am now the parent, is not going to be able to last. So therefore, you have to have a hava that has a little, a little, some, some assertiveness. And all your fears that I hear you talking about your daughter, is sounds like your inner fear of if I will be a leader, if I will ever tell someone no, I will lose them. And what you're going to learn by listening to this program, listening to other programs, contacting a rav, recognizing that in this world, that, that having that fear, and I don't want to use the word fear as an anxiety fear, but the respect and the fear to a police force, that in order to have a melech, there has to be a soldier, there's got to be police. That's part of the rules to have that, because there has to be the respect and the fear to monarchy. And that's why a melech is allowed to kill some of them, because then it lowers the fear or the respect to a melech, to a king. I hear it's 100 percent right what you're saying, but as a what do you think I know I, I know millions of people you. that not, not, a lot of people that like fathers, divorced fathers that want that a daughter or son just like decide never to see them again, just to go to their mother or their father and, and what the other way around. They never saw the, the next parent ever again in their life. If you're uh, I, like now, that, you know. Now, are you for hanging around those parents? Have you ever spoken to, because I know it's interesting how you know one side of the story, and I'm thinking of several divorced parents that I know, that the father's healthy and structured, and the kids love coming to the father. No, because, yeah, they, that's true. I know a lot of people like that, but I know end stories of cases I, where one child out of four children decided they're not going to go to the father or not go to the mother or something like that. Yes, now and they never had any shackles with the mother or father Hold again on, in their and lives. And the other three. Talk to me about the other three. You're focusing on the one that's not. Let's focus on the other three. What about the other three that do stay, choose to go with the father's structure? How do they turn out? They turned out very good. That's right. And that one that wasn't, how did they turn out? They actually got divorced themselves also again. So that, they that, haven't the girl, healed. The, the person got divorced. I mean, the child got divorced who ran away from the mother, actually. 
Okay, let, let me say something. I don't know how old are you and how this. I'm a little bit older, and I saw in my life a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of divorces and a lot of the ugly divorces that the kids was tearing apart by the father, the mother, and, and they just was basically grabbing away from one of the spa, from one of the ex. And what happened? And I said before, even six and 10 years, And 15 years after, these kids come to the parents and just basically regret what happened. You know, just it's something that it's, it's not fair. I, I tell you, this is something called to all the divorced parents. When you play with the kids on, on account of that, to, to revenge your divorces or something like this, or to find the kids' uh, favorite for your side, You basically destroyed and murdering the soul of the kids that basically standing in between and I'm saying this is something very very severe what I'm saying right now and I saw it I saw it in my eyes that kids in the end after after they, they found themselves married and then they back up and said why you did it to me why you did it you separate me from my, my, my father my mother why you did it to me This is something that you have to look in the long term. Something that people don't understand that they take the kids as, 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 a, as, a, as a play between the, 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 this divorce. Right. And I said to say that you have to stay in your position. Don't be afraid. Don't show love. Tell I love you. I, dear, I, I respect you. But you have to respect me. And you have to understand this is my loss. This is my house. This is my life. I, 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 I'm staying with your father, whatever you do, but this is you. You want to choose? Yes. One day, one day, she will or he will open the eyes and see that how much you, she miss you or miss you, and they will come back with an open arm. <laughs> yes, so I just want to finish with a little different chizuk. And just to tell you, because you're a divorced father, there are many, many divorced mothers. I'm not here to go take side. He said, he said or she said, But this I do want to tell you, and to both, whichever it is, a divorced mother, a divorced father, be healthy, which means as long as you're focusing what is the best, what's going to be the right healing for my daughter or for my son, that's what I am going to do. And that means if you need to be assertive and say, shameful, a text it beautifully, I'm so sad that you're not feeling validated, I'm willing to go somewhere to work it out, However, there's structure around me. However, there's healing. As Rav Nissen said, in the long run, they will come back and they will say thank you. And they will see that playing one parent against the other, because this is as well, this happens all the time in marriages where the couples are together, but there are some differences. I'm not talking about major showing bias difficulties, but sometimes kids are able to play one parent against the other. As long as you stay healthy, as long as you stay true to what's best for your child and not be afraid, then you will see, we'll see after the Shemaya things get better. Once we start making all those cheshbonas, we lose our power, what's right, we lose it. And that power is what kids can smell. When there's fear, they can smell it. And when a parent feels this is healthy and I'm doing it out of love, the kids will feel that as well. Aslocha and Siyata Deshmaya and everything that you do. I hope we're able to give a little awareness that what needs to be worked on is a little bit more your inner assertiveness, feeling safe to be assertive, feeling that when you're assertive from love, 
you feel it and your kids will feel that and then you will see how automatically they try not to they try not to hurt you or they try not to play that game on you thank you Mordechai. yeah I know that uh, okay I just want to read uh, if you can read the text that I send you about about the daughter about teenage yeah. typical typical I, teenagers okay let's go ahead and read it <laughs> and this is someone sent just as we're doing this program my 15 year old daughter just told me I'm stupid five minutes later she asked me ma how's this skirt on me I said ain't I stupid she answered ha huh, you actually accepted my compliment <laughs> all in the last five minutes <laughs> and let's realize kids can say things if we're gonna get caught up into what they say and not realizing we're the leader then we're going to lose our power and we're gonna get stuck in that level and what I want to realize is doesn't mean the parents should not have skills now working on the teenager you don't call me stupid that's a separate conversation let's just stay focused to the topic on hand that here is a teenager that tells the mother you're stupid and the parent believes oh yeah my kid calls me stupid maybe I should give in to her maybe I should let this or that no be the leader and the kids will come back asking you questions correct okay we'll go to mr. Y yep let's to mr. Y hi you're on the air with Mordechai and her of Nissan hello yes Yes, um, thank you for taking my call and and also i I appreciated the the conversation that you had before with the other person, and I really listened to it about being assertive and balancing as you spoke about all this um pollution on the mission et cetera and I would like also to to comment about something that you said um a, a few months ago. one of the programs yeah go ahead okay so the the thing was that someone asked you about it was a woman who read a Holocaust detailed book and it was very detailed all the bad stuff they that happened there and she said that she's really afraid and etc etc And you pushed her to to somehow to to uh, acknowledge that you have fears in other areas as well yeah and my question is how how did you know and it's not about how did you know um what took you that you thought that because someone is reading uh, a, a quite a, a, a scary story or let's say someone is reading in the news a, a scary news etc and And we got, get a little bit afraid that this means that something is going on um, in general let me repeat your question to make sure I got it right your question is someone called up and they asked that they read a detailed book story about the Holocaust Pardon? and they're having it, it, um, it's very quiet the telephone now before I, I was able to hear you louder now I hear you very very quiet okay I'm sorry about that so let's just do the best that we can that happens sometimes So your question is that why is it how is it that someone called up and told me that they read a book about the Holocaust some detailed stories that affected their sleep and I sort of pushed them or I got them to admit that they have other fears and other concerns all over correct and let me explain to you there are different ways that a therapist thinks means that different modalities in therapy for an example 
There's someone that you would speak to that likes Chayas. When they learn Torah, they learn through a view of Mishnah. There's someone that likes learning Chumash Rashi. They have that view. There's someone that likes learning Ian, the Amkas of Halacha. So when they hear, when they learn, now let's use the word Perkeyavas, a person that learns Mishnayas will view that Pasuk or that, that Pasuk and Perkeyavas one way. A person that likes going into Halacha will view that Pasuk one way. A person that likes going into Ian will look at it another way. And someone that likes learning Kabbalah will see something completely different in the same Pasuk. Now, Lahavdal El Vavdalus in therapy, there are different modalities how to heal people. There's a cognitive therapist, there is a behavioral therapist, there is a there's more inner child work, subconscious mahaloch. There are some people that look everything as attachment theories. There are different mahalchim. The mahaloch that I work, that I do a lot in, oh that's my first view, lens that I view, is patterns, is the subconscious therapy. In the subconscious language, it is whatever happens in one area of our life, if we're having an effect in one area, we will have that effect in many areas. So to give an example, this father that just called up with a teenage daughter that is being able to play him, in a subconscious therapy view lens, we know that there must be a core issue somewhere. We don't know what until we ask, until we do therapy. But we know that the core issue might be afraid that someone might not like him, so therefore he's afraid to be assertive. He's afraid maybe someone will drop him or someone will, will, will abandon him, so therefore he's afraid to be assertive because maybe that is the fear. It might be that he has a belief that if someone says no or is strict means they're now bad people because only bad people say no. We don't know what the core is until I actually do the evaluation or the client is aware. Sometimes clients are blind or are in denial for whatever reasons that they're not able to know yet, and it takes pre-therapy. But let's stay focused on the point. The point is that in this mahaloch, there are patterns that will happen. Now let's take that into the question. If someone reads a Holocaust story and it's detailed, A, we have a filter that we should not be feeling that story that much. So if they feel it, that means they tell me maybe their filter isn't that strong. If the filter of their imagination isn't that strong in one area, then they probably have it in other areas. There could be another point, could be B, that maybe this story was written that well by a, an artist of a writer that was able to create the image, and then that is why this person has the fear, so it has nothing to do with their filter, then it would affect them a little or at certain triggers, but it wouldn't take them over as much as they said it. So therefore, from based on what I'm hearing, and when people generally have anxieties, I don't use the word anxiety, but when people have a filter that's weaker, that things get through, they're going to have other areas. And that is one of the steps that I do with clients when they're coming in. I'm telling them, let's not focus on only the issue that you're coming with. Let's focus on patterns. So there's a difficulty saying no at work. Notice how you have difficulty saying no at, in family. Notice how you'll have a difficulty saying no to friends. And what we do is the benefit of that is we stop having people feel or that they have a one problem. No, this is a shirish that we're healing. There's nothing wrong with you. And everyone in this world needs to grow in some of their weaknesses. Harav Nissen, what do you say it, to, to this concept? Like, how do we know that there is that? It's, it's like if you look at a building and all of a sudden you see something is there, 
you're pretty sure there's going to have a difficulty if one of the beams are, are weak. You're pretty sure that other beams might be weak as well. It, it's not, you know, this is really that's how, how you determine, you know, if you some, see some kind of crack, you see some uh, point, uh, you know, uh, places that, you know, step on it and it's like uh, making a noise. And you see, you determine, you know, just this, like everything in life. <laughs> you know, you go, you go to, a, you know, you wear a, a suit and suddenly you see in the, in, the, in the end, in the elbow over the kind of uh, deterioration. So you know that this suit is old one and as it can be opened the, the, all the, the stitches. Sometimes that, that, uh, it's, it's quite obvious to the professional people to determine what's wrong. From a so, from a small sign, and sometimes you know it's a big sign that you know when you see a re, a, 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 a re, yellow line, you know that next one it will be red. This is right. like the follow. This is the follow up. Right. So again, had the person told me absolutely not, I don't have a difficulty. Like when I spoke, like when we spoke now to this father, I asked him how difficult is it for him to be assertive. He said, yes, we have a difficulty in the family. That now explains. So as a therapist, if I'd ever work with him, I wouldn't work on his daughter first. I would first work on the safety to be able to say no, to feel confident that when you say no, you're being loved, to realize that by saying no is a positive. In fact, it's such a weakness, I created a whole chapter. I, created, I wrote a whole chapter in the book specifically about the beauty to the word no, how gentle, how loving and how it saves everything. We need to have a gavul. We need boundaries. Does that answer your question? It answers my question. Just a, a little um, um, uh, thing to it. Is it recommended for general for people that some books or some kinds of news that are horror story, they should they should avoid it because it's a little bit uh, too much for even a regular healthy person? Well, can I shift it to you? Because we let you get away with the first question, but now you're asking a second question. Let's shift the first to you. What's your question about why did I assume that if someone had a problem reading the story, that must have anxiety other areas? Can I ask that? Is that about you or about someone that you know they have a difficulty reading stories? Because that's now your second question. If everyone has a problem, should we now like boycott that book? My question is, who said everyone has a problem? Maybe you're in a family that's got more anxiety or more filters than you guys aren't able to, but the world could. Maybe it's important for people to know what happened, but at an age appropriate, maybe you don't want an eight-year-old kid to, realize, to read that, or a 14-year-old kid. But an 18, 19-year-old, we need to learn, know what happened in the past. We need to know how to protect ourselves from the future. We need to see patterns. There's a famous saying, those who don't study history are doomed to repeat it. That's why we have also rated, you know, like PG, X. That's right. So there's certain Holocaust books that people know. I know at times that because I'm more of a sensitive type nature, there are times I'm not going to to listen. My family knows I don't want to go into it, but there's certain times I don't like hearing stories where they tell me that someone's not well. There's certain times I go right now, and the family knows when that is. Now's the time that negative stories is not the time. Now I'm healing. I'm recharging myself. Now it's time to talk about good things, positive stuff, happy stuff, and difficulties. We have time for that. We're not avoiding it. But I've got times I could say right now, no negative stories. So we're able to have a balance when to recharge ourselves. This way we're not completely numb. 
And as Rav Nissen said, there are, there are different ratings. means if it's a very scary book, people will tell you this is a very scary book. Do it at certain times. Tisha B'Av is a time when people read Holocaust stories. Or other times. Now let's take it to you. What's your question? Why are you asking? Because I wanted to bring up this awareness that, that some books, as Rav um, Nissen mentioned, there are different levels, in other words, and also as about different ages, and, and and because some, let's say, if if a child phones up and he says that he saw something in the news, etc., etc., is sometimes the answer is that this this uh, child shouldn't be seeing this or whatever. And, and yes, the answer and is, you, of course, we, we have we've gotten help. comments from people about this program. Some people felt mental health should not be broad, broadcasted publicly. I know people are against a lot of the newspapers and the magazines that are going on now and saying it shouldn't be publicly. And that's why we feel we're doing it at appropriate information that's appropriate, but some people feel this is not appropriate in general. This is what you're always going to have. I would say and also this is the parents of the parents issue if it is especially with the kids that uh, right. to see to see what kind of, what kind of tolerance or what kind of sensitivity sensitivity as the child and then like this is recommended if you see that the kids is is uh, afraid of this kind of stories definitely I would I would do it in a very very moderate and very simple way to to expose him to to you know something but definitely I wouldn't put him in in, in an oral uh, story and all these kind of details, but right. slowly, slowly, gradually expose him to the, to the reality. Uh, I, I myself ate. I don't like this kind of uh, stories. I don't like this, you know, but history is I'm oblig- obligated to read it. And when you read the keynote, for example, in Tesha B'Av, I have a tears in my eyes and I, I, my my throat is choking up because it's really touching, you know, touching the towel. They 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 slaughter they they, they what Rabbi Akiva and all these the other ten Arugamer Malchut, but it's something that we have to have to face it. Excellent. So your awareness is excellent. Your awareness is for parents to be aware that some kids are more sensitive. Some kids, it's not age appropriate for them to hear sad stories or or difficult pains or, or tragedies, 100%. And I would like to add on to your awareness, because I'm doing it as a therapist, and family members that your whole family is too sensitive, parents start getting help, how to not be sensitive so your children will not be vulnerable when they get older, that they won't know how to deal with difficulties or with stories when that's what happens part of life. It means there's an appropriate age when you won't teach them, where you'll shield them, but then there's the appropriate age when they need to start getting information about what's happening. And if you're not able to deal with it, you're not going to be able to teach them the tools how to deal with it either. Thank you. Thank Appreciate you. the awareness. Sure. Shkaya. The number to call up for those that would like is 718-683-5858. 718-683-5858. And you go and to Mr. Are... L. We're going to Mr. L. You're on with Mordechai. And hello? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, hello. I'd like to thank you about your program and for Um Really, uh, really helpful. I'm hearing a lot of the program. And I have a, a question and a suggestion. Just 
Go ahead. I'd like to ask you if uh, a lot of times uh, people are very uh, ready to call in because uh, they recognize the voice. Uh, I know about a machine like uh, what you make the voice not not correct in the sense you make it. Uh... Arvindisson, he's asking if we could get a voice changer. Uh, it's. I wish that the money to this voice changer, but it's it's not so simple right now. Uh, uh-huh. Yes, uh, it's, ah, it's a lot of money. It's uh, it's a money, and any penny that we are really uh missing in the uh-huh. station, we have uh other. You know, we we need to to replace some microphone. Each microphone is seven hundred dollars, and this all this stuff oh. is is, is uh-huh. accumulation. Okay, <laughs> okay, I understand. Um, okay, and my uh, my question is. Uh, um, you spoke about uh, divorced parents. I, I, I have my my children uh, over overseas, and I like to know if the sa- is the same thing to what you explained before. Wait, can you say that again? I have my children overseas. Sure. I Good. Know what is your question, my friend? My question is, uh, a lot of times, uh, if I call and they do not uh, pick up, and then then when I call and they do pick up, um, if I should say, uh, I'm sorry, it's not the, uh, not the, uh, it's not good. Why why you not picked up when I called? Or I don't know what. Wait, could you just explain this to me? That means that when you call them, you know they're not picking up because it's you, right? Is that what you're saying? So they have, let's say, caller uh, ID, and they're purposely um, not picking could, up? Could, it, it could be they know, or it could be they are outside. Understand? Oh, so now what are you saying? So let's say it's outside. So when they call you back, what do you want to tell them? I want to tell them that uh, we, we have a time, we, we make the time, because it's overseas, the hours are not correct, uh, not the same. Uh, we made it a time, and uh, at that time, they, they should be, uh, be uh, available. It should be uh, easier for me for my, uh, and for them. Yeah. Harav Nissen, what do you say okay. to this? I want I want to ask you this is your is your kids are uh, uh, married over overseas married yeah oh no no I, it's from divorced parents yeah yeah but uh, but uh, they okay so now the the kids are over there with the, with the, with their mom right I don't Sorry? I, I, yeah, I, yeah 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 okay and uh the, I'm so just. I'm sorry that I wasn't. Uh, I'm just trying to text uh, Mordechai some uh, text. I'm sorry. Yeah. So the question like this: that uh, look again. The message for, uh, in my opinion, message to your kids over there. I know that you're busy, kids. I have my life. I love you. I'm missing you too much. And the first uh, first opportunity, the opportunity that we can see. Again, this do you need something again? Not in the in in the finance problem, you know this issue. And every time you can send, I, I would I would say send like 
a postcard with love, with caring about you, Bezat Hashem will see soon, uh, and all this stuff. But the small such uh, gesture that you show careness, you know, and even the just one, hi, how are you? I know that you're very busy, uh, Moishe. Uh, I, I know, I don't want to take your time, but I just want to tell you that I miss you so much and have a good Shabbos. That's it, you know. It's small with big quanti- uh, quality, you know. Small quantity with a big quality. That's my, my uh, suggestion because you cannot uh, see them. I mean, I mean, if they do not pick up, uh, what um, uh, I'm not gonna, uh, um, before uh, ask if if I know they do not pick up. Uh, um, uh, could be if they know that I'm calling. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm not sure, but. Maybe they don't know. Maybe they're really busy. Maybe they're, they're sleeping. You know, time. Yeah, no problem. I, I don't have a problem with that. But my question is the next time when I call, shall I tell them that it's not, it's not, not nice? Or I don't know. Tell, tell them a way that if Sati calls, you have to be uh, ready. Okay. Now, that's one thing. I want to take the complete other side over here. Just, just to start another way, let me ask you, what is your goal? Is your goal to be right, or is your goal to have a relationship? A, is your goal to be a father to teach them life, or is your goal now to connect to them? Uh, the goal is to connect and teach. Okay. So are, they, are you in that position to do that? means, are you ready to be able to tell them, look, I'm here for you, but to connect to me, I need a time. I'm more yakish. So whenever you want to connect, we'll set up a time. We have to keep to that time. They might say, but Tati, it's a busy time. It's a busy season. We might need time. We might, we might need to be in an hour later. For example, if someone's trying to be yakish, let's say during the summertime, when kids are out in the bungalows or kids are outside, all of a sudden, 7 o'clock, they're playing, and it's still bright outside, and they're not coming in before 8 o'clock. They might forget. You know, we need yeah, to be sure, aware yeah. Yeah, of sure. what's the issue. Are you giving them room to be flexible? Do they maybe need a different time that's best to call? You understand what I'm saying? It's yeah, not about yeah. you the, and the, them. It's the, about sometimes the, working the question, it out. The question is, oh, so if I should discuss with them, they like... They like uh, from 9 to 12, yeah? Yeah. The question is if I should just uh, um, discuss with them or I should go through a middleman. A lot of times the middleman well, is like... A let let me first ask you this. Let, let's just go back to how we started. How, what did you say? If, let's say, they're not calling you on time, what was your solution? What was your consequence? What was the title? If they don't call on time, then... I should tell them it's not a nice thing because, because like like you told, you have to you have to be assertive. You have to uh, teach them that uh, calls. You have to be available at times. The time I don't know. Uh, I'm I'm trying to think like that, but maybe I'm not I'm not right. Now, notice what we try to do. Because I just want to discuss this. Sort of, listen, we're not telling you what to do, and I'm not going to tell you what to do, because each case is individualized. That's what we do in therapy, and not that in therapy I will ever tell you. It's, it's 
I would almost even use the word annoying, because we have so many people that listen, Bar Hashem, and I say every time on the radio, even if you come to me to my practice, to the center, we will not tell you what to do. And people come in, and they say, I want to know what to do. I say, we don't listen. But we hear you on the radio tell people what to do. How can I say it louder and clear? What we'll hope you do is, I'll ask you questions like this. Do you think that's the right thing to do right now? Do you think your kids will get the message or they will just be blaming you? Is it age-appropriate for your kids to know to call you? Do you think that your ex-wife is setting up the system that they shouldn't call you? What are your kids' views about you? I had, unfortunately, another uh, uh, case where someone, where the kids were looking at, I'm going to change around father or mother so no one should know. So the way the kids were sort of saying about the mother, look how sad, how pathetic my parent is. They don't even know what an app is. See, here there's a divorce. One of the parents, which has the kids turn more modern, the other kid, the, the other parent is on a different world, and the kid is tr- the that parent is trying to talk about more from kites when the kids are in complete different worlds. Means you got to know where your kids are. You need to understand what's happening, and then you're able to set your boundaries when you're going to connect. And maybe we won't discuss it, but all this has to be taken into account. It's not just about you. It's about you. It's about them. It's about setting your boundaries with them. But what will happen when you set boundaries? Each of those need to be discussed. So you're now talking about, in my opinion, your questions are called like a dina the fascist digger question. Maybe connecting to you, this is the only help they will hear or know. And now you're going to start becoming assertive. Who knows? I'm not telling you what to do, but I am telling you is be aware that kids need assertiveness. So maybe part of the assertiveness would be you discussing with them what's the time, what's another time that's better for you instead of Thursday nights. How about Friday morning? But you could yeah, tell them. But when I, we speak, I, I, I need actually, to speak to you. I actually tried that, and it's actually it's not no, it's not it's not the. I don't know who is uh, whose problem it is, but uh, actually I don't I I don't know. What what do you say I should do? I should go speak to somebody as a therapist and and and, and get out. What do you say? No, I think first, whoever helped out in divorce, that is the issue that needs to be worked on. I think that comes the first thing. Whoever, this, this is a mediation issue. This is first we need to clear. Is the issues with the kids? Is the issues with your ex-wife? Not allowing them to do it or not, not getting them on time. Is the issue maybe the kids don't even want to speak to you? Uh, they, they like me. I think so. Uh, Good, I'm just like saying that, each but... of this, this is where a mediator comes in. Harvinissa, what do you say? I think that, uh, you know, first of all, I, you know, I did. Uh, my question is also, again, that uh, the kids, especially from a long distance, is not something that you can just see them. And it, you have to, first of all, I think, to show interest and try to participate the ex over there. Is you is your mom or is, is your mom will agree that we call the, make some certain times? What you learning? What you, you know? Because kids feeling that if you care or not caring or just make the phone call because you just uh, fulfill your duty, you know this is something that you have to understand. Now, certain way was as Rabbi Mordechai said that uh, maybe the mother is like the, the the trigger not to answer you. Not this, but you have, so even in the answer machine, you know, kids, I love you. I miss you too much. You know, something that be aware that you're sending the signal. And yes, if you have a mediator that uh, um, mediator that is, is coming and 
uh, can be in the in between and try to to sensitive to to, to feel what is the day what is the, the how the wind over there uh, blowing and you can try to find the 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 shvilazav the golden way in between you uh-huh. and x and and bring them together to understand uh-huh. that you care about it uh-huh. and and if if i'm if i'm speaking around this i i can ask something down go ahead but let's see if we can do a quick because we got a couple of people still on yeah the line. yeah because i'm speaking being with this uh uh like a half year ago it was uh was uh, a lot of places about um um about parents not letting to speak or to the father or to the mother and uh, what do you think about that again you're asking me questions what do i think about in a divorce when parents when one spouse is not letting the other spouse speak to their own child yeah well what do you think I'm going to say to that PIA continue doing that so what do you think the answer would be I don't know recently I heard of Robert uh, he, he said that that if somebody tries to obey to um, to do sugar as a son you should know that it's like it's like the First thing you have to do is no sleep, no kapara. You you stealing the kids from the parents, and uh, his mom is very 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 sharp, very sharp. I, I would say One that one thing I... I will tell you. I mean, and then we'll when hear what Nissan says is, in divorces there is never so much pain, and from pain we make decisions that are so painful that damage themselves means when they want to move on and get remarried, there's so much pain and hurt and anger and so so much mistrust and as well as damage to the children. That's all I'll say, like what you're hearing. I hear everyone talking from pain. When we work from pain, unfortunately, it doesn't build. It only destroys. Arvnissa, what did you want to say? I want to say that I repeat exactly what I said in the beginning, that the awareness to the parent, the divorce couples that don't put the kids in the middle try to solve the problem I know that as you say it's full of pain it's full of frustration full of anger full of revenge and you know unfortunately we we had the story that uh, that they took a life of the kids because of this so unfortunately that it's really people losing their mind but I said it's average and normal people would just take take it take backwards and try try it strongly that the most important is the soul of the kids and And you don't want to murder it spiritual for his all his life and when he will yeah. be married it will carry this all or you know it need it will need a therapist hundred percent yeah yes yeah. but my question my question was the, the most, what if if the if if from uh, from from your te- you you are uh, your therapist if what do you say about 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 it's a, it's a good thing or it's not a good thing <laughs> okay I think I think the answer was uh it's it's not good things and it's I a would terrible just, thing. <laughs> ter- <laughs> yes. the only time it's the only time it's good is if that parent is very abusive and it'll be damaged interacting and even then you have to proceed with danger the only reason why I'm saying is because there's no nothing unconditional and that even if the parent isn't divorced they're together and one parent is dangerous and Then they need to create a separation unfortunately those things happen so I'm only speaking this way because I don't want to focus on I want to focus on it's almost never good so 99.9 percent children need both parents thanks, thanks. I, oh. I want I want I want the whole world to hear 
Uh, Let's say it again you. for the whole right. world to hear. Let me remind everyone how clear it is. If, you, if a couples get divorced, just because Mr. and Mrs. don't get along doesn't mean the children won't get along. Just because you had issues between Mr. and Mrs. doesn't mean the children will have those difficulties. And even if the children have those difficulties, remember the children have half the genetics of this parent that they can deal with it differently than you can. So don't get triggered when other stuff are going on. Just stay focused that 99.9% of the time it's important for the parents, for the children to have the connection with the parents, important for the parents to have a connection with the children. And when there is needed help, let's say there's a difficulty between the parent and the child, I am a believer in bringing in a therapist or sort of like that mediator, however you want to look at it, not a therapist at all, but to sit with the parent and the child together. And by the way, I want to tell you that's what they do in courts. I know several cases now in the firm world where the parents are getting divorced, and usually the parents saying, oh, the other parent, let's say the mother or the father, he can't be a parent. So the, what, the, what the court does is they appoint therapists to actually watch the interaction between father and son or father and daughter or mother and son and mother and daughter. And they do an hour, sometimes to an hour and a half sessions, just watching the parents interact, how they talk. And you could see when someone's got an issue after three or four of these interactive sessions, you see the issues come up. They yell, the kid makes a mistake, the kid says this or that. So be aware, just because you have a difficulty doesn't mean your children will have difficulties, and the courts don't believe what people say. That's why they have court-appointed therapists that actually sit in the room and watch the interactions, and they hear first ahead of time what are the concerns, and then they actually watch the interactions. So disconnecting a parent from a child will not only affect that parent, which they have rights because they're a parent, but it will also affect the children. Okay. Yeah. Yes, we go to Mrs. B. Mrs. B, you're on with Mordechai and her of Nissen. Hello. Yes. Yes, hi. Um, you had a question, I think it was yesterday, about the attachment theory. Um, I did, so now we're talking about the daily questions and answers that I do on my phone line that I try to answer a person's question and create an awareness. Yeah, so let's go ahead and explain a little about the attachment theory. Could you tell me what the question was, what I response so I could explain that? Um, I just want to hear more about it. Okay, so let's try something else. Instead of wanting to hear more, I need a question to hear more about attachment theory. What are you asking? You said that you have to, you should find another person to connect. Okay, so let's create in a little bit of awareness, and then I need you to hear your question is already out of the scope. We're just here to create awareness, so just create the awareness. You're already asking a therapy question, and I'll explain to you the awareness, and I'll explain to you why your question is more a, a, a therapy question. Attachment theory, Harav Nissen, goes as follows. If a child has a healthy connection to their parents, and they're raised, I give the, the classic example of attachment theories. Let's say the mother, the child, a two-year-old, is right next to the parents, next to the mother, and then there's a door open, so first the kid stays right next to the parents. Then after five minutes, they start walking around the room. They run right back to the mother. And then five minutes later, let's say, they'll start peeking out the door, and they come running right back to the mother. And meal, every two minutes, they're checking out, they're checking, where's mommy, where's mommy? Then they come running back, mommy gives them the hug, then they start walking out of the room. They come running right back. 
And the safer the child feels with the protection and the love of the mother, the safer they are to explore further and further. And what they find is that when people come from healthy backgrounds, they feel safe to explore and explore life, to go to different places. When kids were not raised in an environment where parents tell you you're good, you're smart, you're intelligent, you could make it, it's okay if you don't see us, we're right here, listen to our voices, then these kids have got many times fears, and what they're doing on years later, they are still running back to their parents, not able to make decisions, because they were never taught how to make healthy decisions. They're never taught how to be on their own, that when they don't see their mother or their father, they still feel the safety and the security. Harvnissa, what do you say to this theory? Uh, you know, this is really the, the, the basic of uh, par- uh, being parents. That's to, right. To establish this confidence and the secure on your kids that they will, be, uh, they will build their own life. And That's right. And not in a shaky ground or a shaky uh, foundation. That's right. And I would like to take it one step further, what they discovered from the attachment theory is, that people from abusive households means, unfortunately, with the parents were unhealthy. These were the people that were more likely to call their parents and petrified if a parent was disappointed at them. They can't sleep until the parent works it out. Means healthy children. Okay, mommy got upset now. Big deal. No need to get, no need to call her up. No need to fight for her. With her, you're supposed to be calm. It's okay. Or Tati said something. Uh, You know, yep, I deserved it, so Tati yelled at me, I made a mistake, I deserved the yelling, I learned from it, I move on. When kids come from dysfunctional houses, what's happening is they're there all the time. They're trying to fix and help everyone all the time. They're not able to move on in their marriage. How many times do we know in the from world where we have couples that are married for 10 years and the husband or the wife's complaining, she still didn't leave her parents' house. Every time there's a problem in the family, she's there trying to make shalom. Every time the mother has a problem, he's leaving our house. He's supposed to learn with the son, and he's running to his parents' house. That is a sign of an unhealthy attachment. A healthy attachment would be, okay, my parents are adults, they'll manage, but right now I have my house that I have my hischivus to take care of. Then... So this was creating the awareness to healthy attachment, to attachment theory is. Now, the beauty of it is it's not that if you didn't get it from your parents, you can't get it anymore. That's where therapy comes in, where, we, where I discuss where you start connecting to a rub. You start connecting to someone that you treat as a parent role, and automatically you're going to start having a difficulty with them, and you will probably start reacting as you did as in the unhealthy attachment. Either you're going to try to help them and explain to them stuff, or you're going to say, I hate them, and you're going to start rebelling. And part of it is learning how to have that healthy relationship. But what I just told you is so complicated in reality, because half the time when people start creating healthy attachments, they do it with the therapist, and then they get upset at the therapist. And part of the role that we do in therapy, in supervision, which is what we call in class one, in the first day of college, For masters, when they start preparing us for internship, they discuss the concept called transference and countertransference. Transference means when the client starts viewing us as that unhealthy person that they want to recreate. So you might be now the parent. And countertransference is when the therapist starts acting in that role. And we need to be always to tell the person, we're not your parent now, so let's discuss your pain. Let's help you objectively to discuss it so you could now find it somewhere else. 
it is very complicated to teach you, like in a moment, how do you reheal yourself if you're missing, if, you've got, if you're lacking that. You're lacking from the most fundamental necessities of emotional needs, and the solution can sometimes even be a year of therapy one-on-one for, for as 52 weeks because it's in the core that's missing. It's not a 15-year-old age that you're missing. So how do I connect when I want to be an individual and someone disagrees with me? This is in the core where you weren't given safety. Does that, does that can I explain to you why it's hard to teach you like just over the message, so what do you do? I could give you the top five pointers, but it's not going to work. If you'd like it, I can do that. Hello? No. Yeah. No, it's okay. I just wanted to a little bit more awareness. Great. So first we gave everyone the awareness, but what awareness are you getting? I just wanted, I wanted to discuss it with my therapist. I just wanted to know a little bit information about it. Excellent. So what... I want you to know every single therapist out there knows about the attachment theory. It means in college they drilled this in us. This is Wolpe, and it's actually interesting about him because he was in the 1950s. Here's one of those stories where people always tell us, this and I love this, when people go, what did they do in the past? But we don't get the whole information about the past. So this guy, Wolpe, was, he created this awareness about the attachment theory from his own experience. And he is someone that has, uh, sorry, he did this, did this in the 1920s where he went through this experience. And in the 1940s, when there was in England all the bombings going off in the war, so they had the kinder transports, and a lot of them were Yiddish kids from Europe that they tried saving. He did this attachment theory and worked on a lot of Yiddish kids. This, his study was based, and it's known, it's in all the literature, based on Jewish kids that were separated from their parents during the war and not having that attachment. But he started this theory with it, which as follows. I don't remember exactly the name offhand, but it's all classic literature that you can look it up anywhere, that in England, at those days, if you're the middle class, not even the wealthy, the theory was all you spend time with your mother is one hour a day and your father even less. Because otherwise parents will spoil you. So you know who raised you? The nannies, the babysitters. So many times people start, in the past generations, you had so much respect for your parents. Of course, all you saw your mother was for one hour a day, and you sat at tea time together. Of course you have respect. But what about the nanny? Who's the one that cried, that changed your diapers, that had to put you to sleep? I just want to create the awareness when people are busy. What did they do 100 years ago? Well, you don't know history, what it looked like 100 years ago. See, he shares that he had an unbelievable sweet nanny, and at four years old she left, and to him it was the death of a parent, because all he knew his mother was an hour a day, and father even less. And then he says, instead of getting from a sweet, nice nanny that he had, it was a more distant nanny, and he writes the names over there of who they were, and he always felt a certain distance that he had after that, that he was always missing a certain love. And he was the one that developed from his own experience. He realized, wow, look how traumatized I am. Years later, I'm an adult and I'm still missing love. And he's the guy that created the importance or highlighted in therapy for therapists to be aware. If you don't have a healthy connection, he brings out very interesting that you don't have to have a healthy connection to two parents. He says one parent is enough if you have a healthy, a healthy um, transference or let's call it a, a healthy attachment 
then you can go on and succeed. So I'm t- so you can just discuss it with your therapist because almost all therapists know about the attachment theory. This is an olive base in, in almost everything. All right? Yes, okay. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Mordechai, correct me if I'm uh, wrong. The, the, is this guy also found that, for example, if you spend the time with your father and if your mother wasn't over there? Uh, yeah, it's just as good. It's, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. So we're going to stop now, but yes, very important because he was the first guy also to say that while mothers are important, fathers can be just as equal. And what else he said that was interesting was where today that psychologists disagree a little or say we need a little more is he says that his main attachment theory is in the first two years. After the first two years, a kid has, or three years, a person has the full attachment. And today we know it's not true. We see eight, nine, ten-year-old kids, boys and girls, I should say girls and boys, need to have the attachment to a healthy role model. And especially we know now that teenage boys how important it is to have a healthy male role model to teach them how to be healthy, strong. The same thing for the girls, teenage girls, that need a healthy mother figure to teach them how to do that. So we know today that the attachment theory goes a lot further than just two and three years old. But he started at that, and from him starting that, it has developed throughout the years. Okay. Okay, so let's go ahead. We'll take one last caller for the remark. Hello, you're on there. You're on the air. Yes, hello. Um, You had a caller uh, speaking about uh, uh, the daughter read some kind of a Holocaust book that was very scary and gave her nightmares. I was wondering if I would have liked to ask him, is this something, some kind of a school-assigned book to read? Is that why he's bringing it up? And the reason I ask that is because I feel this is a very important topic that you discussed tonight with him, because our schools, while they're trying very hard to do the best they can, the teachers are getting younger, and they very often don't know what level to tell the children stories that they tell them and they read to them. Very and well a lot said. Of times, I agree. And we're talking about not, uh, uh, let's say, uh, a teacher wants to, um, you know, uh, get the child, uh, the children, before they leave at the end of the day to, to get them to ra- relax and to read them some kind of a story. In my day, in third grade, they used to read Winnie the Pooh. In fourth grade already, they read The Adopted Princess. And that was a, uh, on a little scarier level. But today, these young teachers, they don't really know the level for every single child. And sometimes they tend to um, tell them things and read to them things that are way above their emotional level, and it does scare them. The reason I bring this up is uh, years ago I I got this job as a a preschool director, and one of the first things I wanted to do was, when it comes to the Parsha, to have some kind of a curriculum of, let's say, nursery. What, what are they supposed to be learn? 
uh, kindergarten, what should we tell the kindergarten children? And I asked different people their opinion about it, and uh, some very Hasidish people in Williamsburg told me this. They said, you know, we found that when you tell very young children too much about the Pasha, and let's say Mepharshim and things that they can't handle, they got, the parents come back the next day and they tell us, they had nightmares all night. My daughter had, why did they tell, you tell us, why did, why did my son hear something like this? He had nightmares. And this is, you know, our Torah, the Pasha, you know, the teacher meant well, but they didn't realize that every age has a level that they can handle emotionally. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, we very, very nice, very good. And this is the awareness to the teachers also. To the teachers. Thank you. So Thank I thought you. this was a very good topic yes. that you were discussing, Thank that maybe you. we could make this awareness to go to the schools and to the teachers, that they have to carefully yes. select what they tell the children and the kind of books that the children read. Thank you. Thank you very much. And I know that we are out of time. We already extend the hour. Remote Chai. Yep. It's you, Mike. Oh, well, thank you all for that comment. Thank you, Rav Nissen, for another amazing and wonderful program. Looking forward. And Merit Hashem. Oh, next week is Rosh Hashanah. Yeah. So then, Merit Hashem, looking forward to in about two weeks. I would say a good gebench year. Good gebench year. Ksiva chasima toiva. Shana tova to all our dear listeners and to you. Yeah. Thank you very much. My pleasure.